Good morning. Uh, welcome to Real Life. My name is Sarah. I do connections here on staff. And this is my good friend, Carlos. Carlos is 23 years old. He went to Chelan High School. We've recently connected. And Carlos just helps me do a ton of stuff here, here at Real Life. He's been helping with you staff and uh, is a huge part of everything we do. So we are here to do a raffle here in a second. Um, back in September, we had a thing called Volunteer Fest. It was really great. We had hot dogs. And a lot of the ministries and teams are out here. And a bunch of you guys signed up to help Connection Team. So Carlos, who just happens to be the manager at High Trek Chelan, up by um, the wave pool, uh, had some prizes. So, Carlos, what is this first prize? First up here, we have a 45-minute uh, surfing session to Lakeside Surf. So hey. let's see here. Debbie, Debbie Howes? Haas. Haas? Debbie, are you here? Oh. Yay! Um, we got amazing volunteers, and we were just over the moon about some of the people that signed up to help with some of the stuff that Connection Team does, like meal trains, like sending the birthday and anniversary cards, like um, our Valentine outreach for some of the vulnerable people in our community. So thank you, Debbie. Okay, next prize is? We have a two-pack uh, climbing time to High Trek Chelan. Give it up here for um, Terry, Terry Dole. Duel. 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 I think it's Terry. Duel. Yes, Terry. Yay. You can gift those. Um, I was shocked that you can be 50 feet up in the air at high track climbing with four and five-year-olds. It's that safe. So, yeah. It, wow. All right, so at Real Life, we exist to help people who are far from God or feel far from God find real life in Christ. Uh, everything we do is about that, and the message this morning from Pastor Kyle is called Searching in the Dark. He's continuing the sermon series, Simple, and I don't know about you, but simple um, is what I need in a complicated life and world. I love that. So, yes, thank you, Marty. Um, boy, you are going to want to put next Sunday evening on your schedule because we are having worship night. 7 p.m. hasn't always been at 7. But what a simple way to get connected to God and in just have a real nice time with other members of the Real Life fam. So 7 o'clock here next Sunday. Will you pray with us? God, we just thank you for your great love for us. Um, so many things you do that are so much more than we deserve. Lord, I thank you for every single person watching online or who showed up here this morning on our Chelan campus. Thank you. Um, I pray that uh, we will see 
just new ways of connecting with you and be reminded that because of Jesus, you made it so simple to know that we are loved by you and to know you. And for that, we're so grateful. Uh, please be with Kyle this morning and let his words um, penetrate our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. I was almost late getting out here. I was watching the end of the Mariners game. They're in the bottom of the 58th inning. So um, um, they lost, if you're wondering. Uh, welcome. Good to have you here. Uh, listen, if you're on, why we got that blue light over here? Oh, I got it. No, I got it. How's that? Yeah, you guys are looking good. Uh, sorry for the interruption. Brewster, good to have you here. Thanks for uh, gathering in uh, the middle school up there. And if you're on part of our online campus and you tuned in or you're just taking an easy Sunday, great. I'm so glad you're here. And if you showed up in Chelan, uh, thanks for being with us. Um, what do you, I wanna, we're in our third week of the third week of the Simple Series. It's uh, S-I-M-P-L-E, it's simple as can be. And so we're just trying to take, what if you got rid of all the extra when it comes to Jesus? What if you just saw just Jesus, not, not the extra stuff that was heaped on you when you were a kid or the extra stuff your church decided to do or your grandma added on, like we couldn't, we couldn't go to movies or wear bell bottoms or we couldn't play on Sundays, we couldn't, we couldn't do any of that. That didn't have anything to do with Jesus. What if we could remove all that? And just saw simple Jesus. Now listen, uh, uh, this is for you if you're a follower of Jesus, because I bet you've got people that you love and care about that are like, ah, it's, I'm not into that religious stuff. I'm, in, I'm not into church. I don't believe all that. Okay. But what if you could peel that back for them and just make it super simple? Or some of you are here for the first time or haven't been to church in a long time, and this is exactly for you. Maybe you don't want to come to church, so you're tuning in, and you're like, I'm just going to give it another shot. This is what this morning's about. We want to give you some information, and maybe it's new, but what do you do with new truth? Have you ever hung out with someone who was learning as you hung out with them? Uh, yesterday, uh, my wife and I, the lovely Darlene, start watching the Mariners at home. So we get to the fourth or fifth inning, and my, 
We're not a big baseball family. We, we want to support our local teams, but we're not a big baseball family. My wife doesn't know a lot about baseball. She knows a lot about everything, but she doesn't know a lot about baseball. So at the fifth or sixth inning, she's like, um, hey, I think the referee is biased towards the other, the other team. I said, honey, that's an umpire. They don't have referees. And, you know, I was really nice to her. And she said, why is that big state puff marshmallow man got a mask on? Well, that's the catcher, honey. So, she, so there was, we were learning new information as we went. I'm not sure where she is. I'm, I'm not, I don't even know if she's in the room. And so then we decide, well, you know, the game's almost over, but we got to get to Wenatchee to run a bunch of errands. So we go to Wenatchee, and we're listening to the game all the way down. We run all our errands. Uh, the game's still going on. Who's with me? Uh, we decided, well, we didn't. I decided, well, we can't go in someplace to eat because then we won't be able to listen to the game, right? So we drive through Taco Hell and, uh, <laughs> and we, we get our chalupas. We spent, it was over six hours, right? Who's with me? Who listened to the whole thing? We listened to the entire thing. Finally, when we're almost back to Chelan, we lose. But all along, she says, well, what happens after ninth inning? I said, we, they just keep going. And when Houston scored, uh, well, top of the 18th or whatever, she says, is it over? Is it first to score? What do you do? She, it was just all new to her, which was fun because it made me seem like a genius, right? <laughs> right? Because I knew the information. She didn't. What, what do you do with new information? There's some information that isn't that big a deal, but it's just interesting. It's like, I, I love that uh, I was this many days old when I discovered that. You know what I'm saying? There's little stuff. There's so much information. Some of it's good. Some of it's not good. But uh, like this, did you know this, that the Amazon logo? Did you know that the arrow? Thank you, Addie. The arrow moves from the A to the Z to, to, for them to say, we have everything from A to Z. Did anyone know that? Oh, I knew that. Yeah, oh, yeah. You knew the umpire was not a referee, too. Okay. Uh, how about this? Staples? Did you know that the L? What's the L? It's a, it's, 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 it's a staple. All right. Because some of you think you're really smart. Watch this. Bam, 7 Eleven. What's, what's wrong with this one? Do you know that the, why is the N in 7 Eleven not uppercase and all the other ones are? That's right. I Googled it, so that, um, I'm not going to tell you because you guys acted like you know everything. <laughs> the, owner, the owner's wife of 7-Eleven, the founder of 7-Eleven, thought that the N was too much. So to soften and make it more classy, she wanted a, a smaller N. Yeah. Um, I've never thought of 7-Eleven as classy, but <laughs> you can get a... Fancy Slurpee, I guess. A big gulp. Uh, or this one. You guys know this one, right? I learned this when I was a kid, but there was more about it I didn't know. So Arby's, you know what that stands for? Okay, so it's an R and a B. It stands for roast beef. You get it? And this is America's roast beef. Yes, sir. Who's with me? Yeah. All right. Um, listen, there's some information that you just you stumble into, and you're like, okay, that's interesting, but that won't change your life. There's other information, and I wish it was as simple as that. But for me, it's like when we see this verse, and some of us have bumped into it all our lives or have seen it even at football game, when uh, Jesus says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
his only son, and that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. That seems so simple, but it's simple to me. It's S-I-M-P-L-E, simple as can be, because I was raised that way. And then I experienced it on my own. Then I took a step towards Jesus, and it changed my life completely. So what is simple to me is not simple to everybody else. In fact, a lot of us have found ourselves at one time believing that, but we, we, we entered this stop-believing journey. We just, we just stopped believing. It's not like we just decided like tomorrow at 4 o'clock and stop believing. You just woke up and just said, I don't, this is different. That maybe you were a kid and you believed it, but you matured and your faith didn't. That there was things that you believed when you were little and you grew up, but your faith didn't. So you get to be an adult and you still are thinking like a little kid, Sunday school, second grade answer when you need some big boy, some big girl, some mature answers. And then you didn't get them. So then one day you wake up, and it's not a good day. You didn't celebrate it. One day you woke up, and it's like, uh, I don't believe anymore. I don't believe anymore. In fact, maybe you went through some kind of life-crushing event, or, or you experienced something where it was so devastating, you just said, I can't believe anymore. This doesn't work for me. It's you that I want to speak to this morning. And it's you that are friends and loved ones of people like that who I want to speak to this morning. Because a lot of us find ourselves stuck between doubt and despair. Like we're over here and we're like, man, I just doubt this stuff. It was true when I was a kid, but then I ran into new information and my professor at WSU said it was this. And they said that the Bible was this and the Bible was that. And and like, "Ah, I don't believe that anymore. But over here... You're not ready to say there is no God, there's nothing, this life is all there is, and we're just slowly falling through a dark, cavernous hole until we hit the bottom and we stop existing. You don't want to exist there either. So you find yourself stuck between complete doubt that there really is a legitimate God in Jesus and and complete atheism. You're not really there either. And the two things that we've talked about the last couple weeks, the things that get us there in my experience, with people who are walking away from faith or don't believe anymore, the two things that get us there are a somebody told me so God and a Bible tells me so Jesus. That somebody told you God was this, this, and this. And when it didn't turn out to be that way, you said there must not be any God. But really, those were made up gods anyway. Or a Bible tells me so Jesus. That we have, we along the line put our faith in the Bible instead of in Jesus. So when we put our faith in the Bible and someone questioned the Bible or pointed out what they thought was problems with it, you said, okay, this whole thing's a a lie. And our faith isn't in the Bible. Our faith is in the risen Jesus, that something happened. Just to underline this, because I didn't do a very good job last week. Yeah, I I believe in the Bible, y'all. I believe it's the infallible, inerrant word of God. I believe that it's God-breathed, that every... Uh, jot and tittle, every stroke of the original manuscripts that was God's idea from Genesis to the maps and everything in between, all right? Uh, I believe that with all my heart, but that's not where I put my faith. The Bible doesn't save me. Faith in Jesus does. I'll get to that in just a second. So it's simple. It's simple. It's S-I-M-P-L-E. It's simple as can be. 
don't know if you've ever had to do something difficult and you had to get new information to pull it off or new ability. I'm just sharing this with my couple of my buddies this week. When I was a freshman in high school at Nampa Christian Home of the Trojans, yes, I know you've heard of us. Uh, yeah, so when, I don't have to, I know, I know you, you can figure this out on your own, but when I was a freshman, I started on the varsity football team. I know you can tell by looking at me like, yeah, you look like a good athlete. I, I, I don't want to break. Um, but when I was a freshman, I started at guard, offensive guard, um, and it was a small school, small team, um, and so we barely had enough guys to fill the team. So it wasn't like I was really impressive. They just, all right. Well, what happened is, and I was okay there, but what happened is, towards the end of the season, one of the senior middle linebackers got hurt and he was out. And the coach looked over at the bench during a game, and there was a third grade water bottle and a couple moms, and he couldn't play the mom, so he said, Plu, get in there, all right? The moms would have said, don't be offended. If your mom, I'm sure you would have hit harder than me. Trust me, I'm sure you would have, all right? So they put me in at middle linebacker. I don't want to get all complicated for you all, but uh, at middle line, uh, the, uh, the defense we ran was like a 4-4, so there was two inside backers. Now, I thought I could handle this. In fact, for a couple games, I just went through the motions and thought, you know. Well, then it comes down, and this in my career was the biggest moment in Napa Christian history football, was there was no state playoffs. We played in a, a league with, it would be like Manson and Schlambian in the same league, or let's make it Manson and Cashmere. So we, the little Napa Christian, we win our division, and now we got to go play for the league championship. That's all we had in the entire state against, let's say, Cashmere. All right? But it wasn't Cashmere. It was the evil other Trojans from Homedale High School. Boo. So this never happened to me since, before, since. The coaches all week long are saying, Kyle, you're a man. I'm a, I'm a little, I'm six foot, 160 pounds. Rock hard muscle, but but that but, and speed like nobody's business. Uh, no, that's true. So they say, "Hey, Kyle, here's the here, here's how we're going to win." They have two. They have a running back and a fullback. The fullback's name is Gerald Pearson. Every time they run a play, you tackle him. What if he doesn't have the ball? You tackle him. What if he's running off the sideline just because he's getting a break? You tackle him. Tackle him. And I'm, I'm like, all right, okay, I can do this. And they're like, uh, the only way we win, Kyle, is if, if you take out Gerald Pearson, 6'3", 235 pounds. <laughs> and I am so fired up. And very first play of the game, I kid you not, I wouldn't lie in church if I do, I'll tell you. Very first play of the game, they hand this guy the ball, and I step up in the hole. It's a simple running play. I step up in the hole, and I break down in my position. I'm going to deliver the blow like a, a wimpy 160-pound um, freshman would. And I just smack this guy. And the next thing I know is he runs right over the top of me. 15 yards later, uh, he's tackled. I learned something that day that I didn't know I would need way down the road. And that was I was incapable of tackling a 6'3", 230-pound person. But right next to me, remember I said we ran this 4-4 defense? I played here, right here, Brian Good. He was about six. He was 
probably six foot one, 95, and he was A4 State Player of the Year. He was just a stud. I had no chance of tackling Jail Pearson, but you know who could? Brian Good. So you know what I, I, I learned? When I saw Gerald Pearson coming, I would step out of the way. <laughs> Brian would tackle him, and I would jump on the pile. <laughs> and people would say, Kyle, way to go. Way to get in the tackle. <laughs> I'm just grabbing Brian. I'm not going to. I knew better than to get hurt. I wasn't going to do that again. Listen, there's sometimes where there's a situation or there's new information that you can't grasp or get a hold of yourself. There's certain things in life that you can't do on your own, and you need some help. That's where we're headed today. There's difficult truth. When you come across a truth where it contradicts what you've believed or what you've experienced, what do you do with that? Um, there's this great, it's one of my favorite encounters that Jesus has in the Bible. Just going to have a visit with this guy. And he shows up, thinks that he has it all figured out. He just wants to get his view and his beliefs confirmed that he's right. And just going to say, hey, listen, brother, I got some good news and some bad news. And the bad news is you're wrong. And here's the news, and this really messes with most of us, whether you're in Brewster in Chelan or listening online. Just going to say this. Good people don't go to heaven. Good people, based on their goodness, don't go to heaven. And a lot of us are like, wait a minute. That's exactly what happens to Jesus. John, Jesus' buddy, who hung out with him, he documents this whole scene. And this is what happens. John tells us, now, there was a Pharisee, very religious guy, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That says a lot right there. Nicodemus had a mixed-up occupation. Rome was in power uh, in that area, all right? They allowed the Jews to kind of conduct themselves how they wanted to as long as they didn't make any waves. So Nicodemus had this position that he was part of the religious ruling system, like in the synagogue, in the temple. He, along with these other guys, made the rules and made sure they were followed. But he also worked with Rome as a politician, sort of, sort of, that Rome said, hey, listen, you religious people, keep everybody calm and at peace. So a lot of them, the religious guys, would even make some extra cash by doing what Rome wanted, and they just wanted everything to stay the way it was. So he was kind of had one foot in Roman politics, and he had one foot in uh, Judaism and uh, religious, religiosity and all the rules that came with that. And he was in the follow the rules business. John says, he came to Jesus at night. I love this. And when I was a kid, there was all this stuff that, why did he come at night? Like he came because he was sneaking around. He didn't want anyone else to see him. Maybe. He, was sneaking, he came at night because he was busy all day. That's the only time he had. Or that's the only time Jesus was available. We don't know why he came at night. But this was a big deal. This would be a little bit like Somebody from one party sneaking over to another party and having an interaction with them. Like, you decide who's good and evil here, okay? Like, the quarterback from WSU goes to a University of Washington practice 
and shares secrets or tries to get information back and forth. And what this person from Washington State football would share with the University of Washington State football would like, hey, why don't we have a defense and why, do we, why are we so bad? So they would have a discussion on that, all right? Or, get this one, you decide who's good, you decide who's evil. I work for the Joe Biden campaign, and I'm going to go over and have a conversation with the Trump campaign. Ooh, wow, look out. This wasn't like Nicodemus was like, I don't got anything to do, I'm going to stop by Jesus' house. This was a big deal because Jesus was messing up the system. Jesus was messing up the political system, and Jesus was messing up the religious system, and Nicodemus wanted to show up because this guy was different than he's ever experienced before, and he wanted to get his beliefs confirmed. He wanted Jesus to say, yeah, Nicodemus, you're doing it all right. And imagine, imagine you're hanging out with Jesus. You're John and some of the buddies. And it's, you know, it's middle of the night. I don't know what Jesus is doing. He's sitting around, maybe they're just watching TV, CSI Jerusalem or something, and they're just watching TV. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. There's no preparation, there's no plan. There's this dude at the door, and he comes on in. He sits down. Nicodemus says, Rabbi, calls him teacher. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. There's something special about you. We know that you're a good teacher, and we have lots of good teachers, and we know that you're one of the special ones, but you're doing some stuff that proves that you're connected with God, so we, we buy that. It's kind of, he shows a sign of respect, but he also admits something that maybe you all believe or people you care about believe. He had a mixed up understanding of who Jesus was. He was like, yeah, I think Jesus was a good guy. In fact, he was really special. Good example. Lots of wisdom. But then that's where we end. Nicodemus didn't realize that Jesus was the son of God, sent by God to be the rescuer, the savior of the world. And maybe that's where a lot of us are. It's like, Jesus is neat. Jesus is just all right with me. He's a good guy. But Jesus doesn't allow us to look at him that way. And we're going to see other things that he says about himself. He had a missed, uh, messed up conclusion. Nick was coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, this is what I believe. I see what you're doing and I hear your teachings. Aren't we on the same page? Basically, Nicodemus is saying, saying hey, it's good you're here. Can you tell us when's God going to show up? When's God going to show up with a ruler to get the, us Jews back in power? There's this promised Messiah, this rescuer coming. Can you tell us when that is? Because we need him to show up, kick Rome out, and put us up in, in control, and let's do this thing like King David and King Solomon, and let's get, get back to where we were. He thought that was the mission. That's what he was looking for. He's saying, is, isn't, aren't I right? Isn't that how we get right with God? Isn't that what's going to happen? Isn't that what's coming? And Jesus is about to challenge the beliefs of Nicodemus. And what do you do? When you believe something and somebody gives you the exact opposite information. Nicodemus is basically saying, hey, hi, I'm Nick. I'm part of the Pharisees. I've heard you teaching and kind of doing their induction. Then Jesus interrupts him and he says, listen, Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. 
Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only will you not experience the kingdom of God and be part of it, you won't even see it. And like you all, if you heard that for the first time, Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? We as Christians, and I'm a professional one, I was born into a church family, and I've been a Christian in every aspect as an occupation and education and everything. We use phrases all the time, right? And born again is one of those. In fact, some of you, when you hear born again, Brewster, when you hear born again, they're like, oh, no, not the born again people. Because even within Christianity, we're like, oh, born again. There's the ones who jump over the pews and start yelling stuff. You know what I'm saying? We're scared of the born again. We use phrases all the time. You're talking to your neighbor. He's never been to church before. And, you, and you're like, hey, you've been born again? He's like, what? I remember when I was in grade school, and some, many of you know this, I was a horrible kid. And I say that, and some of you don't believe me. I was really bad, and I don't have time to go into it. I was bad. My desk was in the principal's office in sixth grade, the last six weeks of school. My desk was in his office because I wasn't allowed to be with the rest of the inmates, all right? I was in solitary confinement. But even then, even then, as a fifth grader, my parents would ship me out of town whenever they could. And I spent a lot of time with my buddy Matt up the Antwine. And then my buddy Jerry had grandparents in Waterville, and we would go there often to him. And my parents were like, just get them out of town. So I remember being up at Waterville one day. This sticks with me forever. And uh, his parents and grandparents were gone. It was just Jerry and I. And Jerry and I were sitting there smoking a cigarette. And I said, um, I said, Jerry, Jerry, you ever been saved? Because I was a pastor's kid. I was rotten, but I still cared about Jerry. I didn't want Jerry going to hell. So I said, Jerry, Jerry, fifth grade, you ever been saved? And Jerry's like, as a matter of fact, I have. A couple years ago, our house caught on fire. My stepdad came running in. He pulled him out before it all caught up in flames. Jerry, you're going to hell. He had no idea what I was talking about. Nicodemus didn't either. Jesus wasn't smoking a cigarette, but he might as well have said, listen, Nick, you know what you need? You got to get born again. And he's like, look, listen to what he said. Nicodemus says, just like you would. What do you mean? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That's ridiculous. That makes no sense. Jesus keeps going. I assure you, listen, I'm telling you the truth. Get ready. Tighten up your tunic. Here's some new information coming. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. No one can enter the kingdom of God. No one can get right with God. No one can get to heaven without being washed and cleaned up and being empowered by God's Holy Spirit. And Nicodemus is like, wait a minute. Jesus keeps going. Humans can re reproduce only human life. Nicodemus, you don't have to be born physically again. You need to be born from above. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. There's more to this life than just this life. Your soul, eternal life, everything, there's so much more. And you're only seeing just this life. That's what Jesus is saying. Listen, I know you think, Nicodemus, that you're in, that you get a free pass into the kingdom, into heaven, because you're Jewish. They're like, hey, our, our father is Abraham. And Jesus says, it's not about your background, who your family is, your status in this world. 
uh, how long you went to church when you were a kid. It's not about that. It has nothing to do with that. At that point, Nicodemus and you and I would be tempted to run. Because this information was totally opposite of what Nicodemus experienced. But he doesn't run. And he did what I hope you all would do wherever you're listening. Is stay and ask some questions. Nicodemus says, how is this possible? This can't be. This makes no sense to me. Because again, it not only was not about Nicodemus' background, but he was messed up because it's not about balance either. Because of his position as a, a, a Pharisee in the Sanhedrin, he believed like a lot of us believe. There's this cosmic scale that God has. And if you do a bunch of good stuff, and it's better than your bad stuff, and your good stuff outweighs your bad stuff, when you take your last breath, Jesus says, come on in, you're good enough. And Jesus says, that's not it at all. That'll never happen. It's the old do versus done. Nicodemus thought, what do I have to do? How much do I have to do? Tell me more. I'll do it some more. And Jesus is saying, your to-do has already been to-done. There's a time coming where Jesus is going to cover all your badness, and he's going to make you good enough. And Nick's systems makes no sense. Nicodemus said, if I'm just good enough, I get to go to heaven. If I, my good outweighs my bad. But how good is good? How good is good? Mother Teresa good? Billy Graham good? Chris Peterson, former coach of the Boise State Broncos good? Lovely Darlene good? How good is good? How good do you have to be? Just kind of sums up everything. He says, listen, God so loved the world. He gave his only son. Nicodemus was looking at him. That whoever believes, not whoever lives perfectly, whoever lives good, good enough, whoever believes in that son isn't going to die but have eternal life. If Nick's system makes, us, makes no sense, God's system makes us secure because it's based on who God is. It's based on the goodness of Jesus, not the goodness of me. And the result of that is grace. We throw this word around a lot in churches, but it's the core of how we see and get to heaven. It's the core of how we experience the kingdom of God. It's the core of connecting to God through Jesus. Grace is a big deal. Grace says you'll never be good enough. And it's okay because Jesus is. Your belief in the goodness of Jesus, you get to inherit that goodness even though you are bad. And so am I. Grace adjusts our belief. When you experience grace, when you understand it's not all on you, it's not about you. It's not on you being good enough. It's not on you going to church enough. It's not on you being involved in a small group or giving money or whatever. It's not, it has nothing to do with any of that. It adjusts your belief so you say, wait a minute, it's not all on me. There's more to living the good life than just me being good. Because good people don't get to heaven just on their goodness. 
And some of us maybe need to take a step back and say, okay, wait a minute. Maybe that's new information. But I'll guarantee you something. Grace changes our direction. When you experience and understand grace, when you put your faith in Jesus, the risen Son of God, and you experience grace, that forgiveness, you, 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 you get right with God even though you're not right, it changed our direction. And we know that because that's what happened to Nicodemus. A couple chapters later in John, John tells us that there's a big party of all the religious people, of all the Sanhedrin and, and, and the Pharisees and everything, and they're like, what are we going to do with Jesus? we got to get rid of Jesus. Let's beat him up. Let's kill him. Let's do something. And Nicodemus says, hey, hey, guys, lighten up, man. I don't think he's as bad as you think he is. And he takes a stand in the middle of all his religious friends and says, lighten up, Francis. Calm down. And then we know, as we get to the end of Jesus' life, he's arrested, persecuted, put on the cross, dies. Guess who shows up to get his body? Nicodemus. Not the scared Nicodemus at night, not the one confused Nicodemus, but Nicodemus now, who's been born from above again, it's Nicodemus. Nicodemus takes, along with his buddy Joseph, and they take the body and they prepare it and they put it in the tomb. Listen, if you haven't listened at all yet, that's okay. I don't know how, I don't know how exciting it's been. Get this, though. Can you imagine Nicodemus three days later when he sees the risen Jesus walking around? Do you think he has any doubts? Do you think he thinks he needs to be good enough anymore? Do you think he's going to sneak around at night? No, Nicodemus is going to sh shout it in the daylight that Jesus is the Savior, that he proved he wasn't just a dude because he rose from the dead. And, hey, I knew that guy back then. He told me some truth. I didn't know for sure if it was true, but I do now because Jesus didn't stay dead. Let me give you three next steps as we wrap up. Uh, our blue cards are super important to us. Uh, Sarah Barn uh, uh, um, collects all those uh, as part of the connection team, and we pray for your prayer requests. There's a bunch of us who do that, and we respond to your concerns. If you want to sign up for something, if you need more information, you can do that through the blue cards. We love, we love that. Also, we always have some next steps on there, so we want you to pick a step to act on this week so you just don't come sit and listen and leave, and it doesn't make a difference. Three things. First of all, evaluate and investigate. Understand grace. If you're here like, hey, I've never heard this grace before. In fact, Kyle, you didn't do a very good job describing it. Okay, I apologize. Then let's get some more information out there for you. You investigate it. You figure out what it is. You make the decision. Two, consider the cross. Experience grace. Some of you are there right now. You have investigated, you've asked questions. But maybe it's your time to consider that no one doubts there was a Jesus. No one doubts he died. The question comes with, yeah, but did he stay dead or did he really rise again? Because if he rose from the dead, you gotta, you got to pay attention. If he didn't, he was just like other, every other false messiah. 
But a lot of you have been coming or been listening in. And you're ready to experience grace. Not just talk about it. Not just debate it. But you're ready to experience it. What I love about uh, playing football was about that much. Didn't love it at all. I love catching a pass and scoring a touchdown. Just don't tackle me. You know what I'm saying? I was never, I know you look, Kyle, you're so buff and muscular. You look like you would really deliver a blow. Nope. No, I was never like that. I'd rather trick you into something or when you go running by, just put my foot out. I, I, I wasn't one of these guys. I wasn't, I, I, no. The chance of me getting a concussion was limited. Calling me a real football player, I mean, it just, it just, it just degrades real football players. I'm like, hey, Kyle, you were a good football player. No. Calling me a real football player is like how real vampires look at Count Chocula. It, 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 it's not the same thing. But here's what I loved about it. When a dude would come through the line and Brian Good would light him up, Brian Good, A4 State Player of the Year, and I jumped on his back, I thought, me and Brian are in this together. I wasn't good enough to tackle the dude, but Brian Good was. Listen, you can't handle your own sin. You can't step up and de- deliver a blow to your sin nature. You can't make yourself right with God. Jesus can. Jesus is a 190-pound, six-foot, A4 state player of the year of the universe. Listen, there's no put down. You need some help. You can't do it on your own. Listen, this is the day. Maybe you're ready to seal the deal. Maybe you can, it's time to receive grace. Not just talk about it. Not just sing about it. But there's a moment in time where you decide, am I going to stop and give and live my life for Jesus the Savior, the rescuer of my soul? Or am I going to roll the dice and try to do it all by myself? Grace says you don't have to do it by yourself. Grace changes your view. Grace changes your direction. Grace changes the way you feel about yourself and other people around you. I'm praying today that this is your day. No magic You don't have to sign a blue card. You don't even have to come down front. You can decide right where you're at, sitting in Brewster Middle School, at home, or in the pack in Chelan. And you can just tell God, I choose to put my faith to believe in Jesus. I choose to put my faith that Jesus conquered my sin when he died on the cross. And I choose to put my faith and my belief because something happened. Jesus didn't stay dead. And I'm going with that guy. I'm praying that this is your day. Turn it back over to you, Bill and Brewster. Let's pray, God, thanks. God, 
Thank you for the simplicity that you love us. You proved it because you sent Jesus. But so much gets in the way of that, our experience, other thoughts, other people's voices. God, I pray this morning that you would clear all that away, that we would see our need for a rescuer, and we would see clearly that Jesus is that person. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks so much for being here. Listen, just real quick, uh, next Sunday is worship night. We would love for you to be here. It's just 7 to 8. It's simple. It's one hour. Come join us. Be fantastic next Sunday night. Have a great, great Sunday. See ya. Love ya. Bye.